Thanks, Ben. Wow, our kids' team are incredible, aren't they? And um, such a blessing in the, the life of the church. And I've absolutely loved kids' work when, um, when I've been involved in it. I remember once, um, it's just like, this is the preciousness of what you get to put into these kids. That uh, one child, she's about five at the time. Um, she's about 18 now, and she doesn't know this. But she said to me, when you become 100, do you become the queen? <laughs> I thought, wow, this is just precious, what you get to put into these. So I said yes, and you know, they can sort that out. Um, hello, everybody. It's, uh, it's really nice to see you. I'm JP, if we've not met before. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's so good to be together to worship God this morning. And um, we are uh, in a series uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. We just want to be with Jesus, see what he's like, kind of the effects of his gospel. And uh, we've reached a, a point in it, in this eyewitness account of, of Jesus' life, where um, Jesus tells a, a series of um, stories with meanings, parables, um, about what God's kingdom is like um, and so we're in the midst of having a little bit of a look on those. Um, we popped a video on our social media um, this week or last week, actually, uh, with Derek Tidball, who's a very experienced Bible teacher, uh, just opening up a little bit more of kind of how we can best engage with parables, how we interpret them. And, and that's just a short interview. And do check that out. That will help us. Um, but because um, we love our kids' team and want to finish on time, I'm actually going to jump straight into verse 1 because this will give us our intro. So this is Matthew chapter 20, words are already up on the screen. Look at that. Desi just on it. Um, and it's entitled in my Bible, Laborers in the Vineyard. And verse 1 says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And I thought this morning that we would love nothing more than a bit of good old audience participation. I, some are smiling, some are like, oh no. But don't worry, you won't have to stand up or do anything. We're not going to ask for volunteers or anything like that. Just by virtue of sitting where you are, you are going to be able to join in uh, with this this morning. Because the good news is that this morning we are all going to be employed into this vineyard that this master comes to recruit workers from. Now, I know the sun has been out in force the last couple of days. And today, it's kind of a little bit cloudy. And you're all wondering, like, where's the sun? So just imagine yourself, sunny vineyard, picking grapes. It's glorious. This is what we're going to be in today. And just to help you enjoy this parable, there's three things that, um, that you need to know quickly. The first one is that the, the Jewish working day was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So that's going to be a bit of a shock to the system to some, starting at 6 a.m. Um, the, the next thing is that when this master comes to re recruit these, um, these laborers, it was very, very unusual for the master to come himself. Like he's the owner, he's the big cheese, as it were, but he comes himself to recruit these workers. And uh, we see later in the parable reference to a foreman who would normally have been the one that, um, that comes to uh, recruit laborers uh, for the work in the vineyards. But he comes himself. And whenever you see an unusual detail in the parables, that so often is the key, the key to kind of part of what Jesus is, is trying to show us um, in, uh, in, in telling the parable. So this, this kind of shock to the system is that the master comes himself. And of course, it, it reflects the fact that God does not just kind of stay up there in heaven waiting for us to be good enough to come to him. He comes himself and enables us to come in the person of Jesus. And so in that sense, when the title, the titles are just someone's interpretation in the passage, by the way. They're not part of the inspired text, but when the title is Laborers in the Vineyard, um, that's only part of the story. 
Actually, uh, Ken Bailey, who wrote a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, absolutely fascinating book if you ever get to read it. He says this parable would much better be reflected as the parable of the compassionate employer, because that's who we're looking at this morning, our God who in his compassion has brought us into his kingdom. So ESV Bible Translation Committee with your great Bible philosophy and your PhDs, don't think you've done great on that one. Okay, let's go into verse two. So here we go. After agreeing with the laborers, so remember it's 6 a.m. in the morning, for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyards. And it's here where we start our participation this morning with the good news that this block over here, look at this army of workers that is over here ready to go. You get the joy of starting work at 6 a.m. in the morning. Now, I can see some parents of newborn children in this block who would be very, very pleased to start at the late time of 6 a.m. in the morning. But we're all going to get going. And um, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to do you a bit of an offer here, as, as is the parable that I'm going to offer you a, a denarius a day. Now, a denarius is a, Roman, it's a coin of the um, uh, Roman currency. You can't actually use it in British currency, of course. It's not going to be any use to you at all. But there is one in the British Museum, and roughly it, it equated to a, a day's wage for laborers in a vineyard. So I suppose it's a bit like the real living wage. You know, what is that? Sort of just under £10 an hour at the moment. We want to make, make, make sure that people can genuinely live on the wages that we're giving them. So a day's wage, I know some of you will be on more than £10 an hour in your working jobs, but for this job alone, are you up? for being the workers in the vineyards? I'm guessing that's a yes. We'll just take it as a nod and we'll go with it because you know that's kind of what the story says, so we haven't really got any other options. But what we've got to realize is that each one of these wonderful people who are so enthusiastic to get going at 6 a.m. in the morning, each deployment is an act of real grace, of real grace where once they were in the marketplace, now they're in the vineyard. It's an act of tremendous kindness because this marketplace was a place where people would go if they didn't have their own jobs or they didn't have their own businesses, they could do nothing to deploy themselves. They literally had to go and just stand there waiting to be rescued. And you can see it in different cultures around the world where um, you know, you see as you, as you drive by groups of people just waiting there, waiting to be employed. And actually, if you just have a think about that, that that's actually really quite a kind of humiliating thing, isn't it? First thing in the morning, I can't do this myself. Okay, I need to eat. So I go off to the marketplace, and here I stand, and I just plead that someone is going to have mercy on me. Each one deployed into the vineyard, is a real act of grace, of tremendous kindness, saving the people from shame. They are called, they're equipped, and they're deployed, as are we. And it's here where we see that this real grace is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we could do nothing to come to him, we could do nothing to make our relationship right with him. We were in the pit of our sin, standing there waiting to be rescued, not even aware of our need to be rescued. And he's come to us and he's made us <coughs> right with him. Okay, here we go. Verse three, the story continues. And go now about the third hour, so remember 6 a.m. start, this is 9 a.m. 
he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so this is your moment, you guys in this second block here. You get to start at the very modern time of 9 a.m. Yeah, feel a bit more happy about that? Yeah, May's laughing because she's a doctor and starts all manner of crazy hours. But 9 a.m. is your start. And it's here that we see the repeated grace of God and that this experienced master, who, as we saw, would not normally come himself, he, he would have known the deal. Like he, He's in charge of, of the whole thing. And going to recruit laborers for his vineyard was a daily activity. He would have known exactly how many people were needed. He would have picked them and deployed them. And he knows that it's this first block over here that is all the workers that are needed for his vineyard. And yet he's come back again. He's come back not because he needs more workers, but because of a tremendous act of the repeated grace of God. And he's come to you guys and he said, I want you to come to work into my vineyard. He's back because of grace. And it's very interesting here that as the story goes on, both in the, the ones we've seen already and, and the ones to come, the, the point that, that Jesus kind of makes in this is that the identity of these workers is that they're in the marketplace or they're in the vineyard. Almost like that's the chief thing about them. That's their, their chief identity, in the marketplace or in the vineyard. They're in the kingdom or they're out of the kingdom. That is that we follow Jesus or we don't follow Jesus. And that everything else flows from that place. It says nothing about who they are. It says nothing about characteristics about them. And those things, they're important, but, but they're not our main source of life or our main source of decision-making. And it's here where I, I have to be aware that I am a uh, white, middle-class, uh, young-ish. I'm clinging to that one. I'm closer to the start of my working career than the end of my working career. And so I'm going to take a binary view of it because it paints me in a nicer picture. So a young-ish, um, heterosexual, non-disabled man. And so there are loads of life circumstances that I have not lived through. And as I meet people, I'm increasingly trying to um, understand what it's like. But actually, my authority and our authority is not in our lived experiences, but it's, it's in the Word of God. It's in the unchanging, eternal Word of God. And the Bible says that the biggest factor that affects our life is whether we follow Jesus or not, whether we're a child of God or not, whether he is our master or ourselves are our master. And it's that factor that allows us to process everything else. And so whether that's a, a theology of the challenges that we face or the injustices around us, or whether that is making decisions that line up with the Bible, but maybe not with society, because we're a child of the Father. And so we trust his eternal, unchanging word more than we trust the cultural trends of our age. He defines our life, first and foremost. It's not something about us, as important as those things are. He defines our life. The parable moves on. Verse 5 says, So they went, going out again about the sixth hour, so that's noon, and the ninth hour, 3 p.m., he did the same. You guys, you know what's coming. This is your deployment. You get to start at lunchtime. I mean, that's brilliant, isn't it? You have your lunch, you know, you're just in the marketplace, just hanging out, chatting. You guys as well, you get to start at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, I don't know what you've been filling your time with, but 
Phil, you get to start at 3 p.m. I'd just like you to remember that that's just in the parable. That's not to do with your Grace Church working on a Monday, right? Yeah, okay, we got that? Yeah, great. Phil serves us so wonderfully. It's really interesting to see, isn't it? We've had the 6 a.m., the 9 p.m., the noon, the 3 p.m. The grace of God reaches into all manner of different circumstances, all manner of different people types with all sorts of things going on. And yet, we're still called, we're still equipped, we're still deployed on this adventure with Jesus because of the grace of God, because of the undeserved kindness of our Father that he lavishes upon us, because of the compassionate employer. And you know, way back in the 1930s, when this building was first opened, people would have come into this literal room in a very similar kind of instance, like coming to a marketplace as it was. Without a job, coming here, this used to be a job center. They would have come into this room looking for for some kind of employment or, or deployment. And that's why, of course, we started Grace Enterprises, which, um, if you're uh, new to Grace Church, is a, a collection of businesses and uh, social enterprises that we, um, that, that we run that try to deliberately give jobs to people with multiple employment barriers. So whether that be a criminal record or uh, never had a job before and, and still to kind of, some of learn some of the, the, the skills of, of working, whether it's uh, major mental health issues that they're facing, whatever it might be. And, and, and uh, we've just employed our first um, Ukrainian refugee uh, just this week, uh, recently uh, first victim of modern slavery uh, that, that we employed through Radiant Cleaners, the cleaning company. Um, the second one, Jubilee Events, um, is just getting up and going. The third one's in the pipeline. There's increasing sort of uh, national coverage to what's going on. It's the grace of God upon us because it's a demonstration of the grace of God in action. It's a demonstration that no matter where we are in terms of working, worklessness, intergenerational poverty, the grace of God still comes to us and pulls us into his kingdom. There you go. (laughs) And of course, you can join in with with that. You can just Google Grace Enterprises and get their newsletter to to, to pray along with them. You could be mentoring some of the people that that work for them. Um, This is the grace of God. But then the parable moves on, and it shows how the grace of God is is redemptive, truly redemptive. It rescues our situation. It says in verse 6, about the 11th hour, so this is 5 o'clock in the afternoon now, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? So you've not just arrived, they've been there all day. They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. So you guys over here, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. You've been standing all day. You thought no one was coming. And yet the compassionate employer has come to you. Just imagine the scene like for, for all of us. Imagine in this marketplace, this parable as Jesus has told it. People going first thing in the morning. I can't do this myself. I desperately need someone to rescue me standing there, waiting, trying to look like I'm ready, and yet nothing's coming. And the end of the day comes, and I have to go home to my family. Did anyone employ you today? No. Well, how then are we going to eat? I don't know. This is the situation come five o'clock in the afternoon. This is the feared reality. This is the destination. This is where it's going. That, that 
stuck at heart, stuck with, with no ability to rescue ourselves. That's how we were in the gospel, in the pit of our sin. We couldn't bridge the gap. The Bible says that even our best efforts to do good in the world were as filthy rags, it puts it. Actually, the, the translation literally is menstrual towels. And yet Jesus Christ, in his kindness, has come and he has rescued us and he has redeemed us and he has pulled us out the pit of our sin and he has set our feet on the rock who is him and he's deployed us in his kingdom and he's made us righteous before the Father and he's guaranteed an eternity that we will be with him forever. He's forgiven our every sin. He's cleansed us from the things that have been done to us. He's put gifting and blessing and grace and calling on your life. This is incredible. This is the gospel. We were all in this category. We were all 5 PMs. We brought nothing. And yet sometimes when we maybe have been around church a while or still just realizing the extent of where we come, sometimes we can think that actually we're more like 6 AMs, right? Sometimes we can think, Lord, I've, I've been serving you pretty hard all these years. Lord, I've given major sacrifice and things haven't worked out how I thought they would. Lord, I've done all this stuff for you. Only Jesus is the one who's truly done the work for us. Truly, we're all 5 PMs until his rescue comes, which is why then the grace of God, and I'm cheating a little bit on this one, is truly outrageous, outrageous. And here's what verse eight says. When evening came, in verse 8, the owner of the vineyard said to his former, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour, so 5 o'clock came, each of them received a denarius, a full day's wage. We get what we don't deserve. We get the undeserved kindness of God on our lives permanently and forever. We get the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ credit to our account as though we had lived as he did, righteously before the Father. That's how the Lord sees you today if you're in Jesus. No stain on your life, fully free to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Even though you might feel that you, you can't do these things in and of yourself, that he now empowers you by the Holy Spirit to live the spirit-filled life, to be doing signs and wonders, to be um, producing fruit in his name, to be deployed in his kingdom. This is what we get in the gospel. People often define grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. We get the whole riches of heaven on our lives. We get a, a position that is not affected by our performance, that forever we will be his children, forever we will be righteous before him. We get, as Psalm 23 puts it, even in the presence of difficulties, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That includes today, that includes tomorrow, that included last week when you're facing tough stuff, that includes next month, includes next year, every single moment and facet of your life. The grace of God, wow. we get Jesus and he is sufficient. He's sufficient to provide for our every need in the gospel. So where do you need him to provide right now? Where are you asking the Lord to come through? 
Jesus is your sufficiency. He will provide everything you need. Sometimes that's not as we think, but aren't his ways higher than ours? And sometimes we use that to think like, oh, maybe I've kind of got it wrong then. And God will sort of do something differently. Actually, I heard a wonderful interpretation of that recently that talked about sometimes we see the mess of our own lives and we think, well, I wouldn't give the grace of God to me. No, his ways aren't ours. He didn't think like me, hallelujah. He still pours his grace on anyway. Even when we've messed up, grace upon grace upon grace. This is Jesus, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace, the unmerited, undeserved kindness of God. We keep repeating it because it's true, because it keeps on coming. That we don't just need to walk home and be like, oh, I just live in this place and these are the people. No, there's grace on your life. It's true. Like, is this getting through? Even when it's hard, there's grace on your life. Look at how far you've come. Which is to say then that when the grace of God comes on our lives, sometimes it's really quite revealing, isn't it? And I'm going to finish off the parable here, reading from verse 10. When those hired first came, sorry, when those hired first came, so that's you guys, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius, a day's wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last, meaning you guys over here, the 5 PMers, worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, which is fascinating. I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius, the day's wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last work as I, as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or hear this question. Do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. We've got to note a deliberate order of payment of, of well, all of you, that goes on here in, in verse 8, just before I, I started reading. Call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last and then over to the first. And what's going on here is, is what's technically called a chiasm. It basically means thought A, thought B, thought C, back to thought B, back to thought A, which leaves kind of thought C kind of hanging and sort of um, emphasized, I suppose. In, in this parable, this, this second half of verse 8 about paying you guys first in the presence of you guys is the center point, is, is the chiasm. And it's meant to feel outrageous. Like when we read this parable, we're meant to be like, what? But you guys have been working all day, like through the heat of the sun. That's what they say, isn't it? And you guys, like the master met you at five o'clock. Then you had to journey all the way to the vineyards, get your stuff and get going. It's six o'clock finish. I mean, it's barely even 20 minutes perhaps, isn't it? And yet you get the day's wage too. It's meant to feel outrageous because the grace of God is truly outrageous. Because Jesus has come to, we were truly over here standing idle in the marketplace and still it's as though we'd lived our whole lives perfectly before the Father. Wow. The undeserved kindness of God. But the outrageous grace on other people can sometimes reveal the legalism in our own hearts, right? This is Matthew's equivalent of the prodigal son, that story in Luke's gospel, you know, where there's, there's two sons and the, um, the younger son 
gets his inheritance, wishes his dad was dead, and he goes off and he wastes it all. And then he comes crawling back, thinking, perhaps I can just be a servant in my father's household. And yet his father embraces him, he runs to him, he hugs him, he, he restores him to his position of sonship. That is, he did nothing, he wasted it all and he got everything. Like that, that's, that's you guys. Like did nothing, standing there five o'clock, 20 minutes or so of work and got everything. But yet the older brother in the story sees all this happening and he's saying to God, like, I was saying to his father, I, but haven't I been working all this time? But I've never um, disobeyed you. I've never been thrown a party. Like, what, why, why is that happening to him over there? And that's the, the six AMs. It's the, the older brother. That lavish father is the master here, is, is God our, our generous father. And by the way, that one needs renaming too. But sometimes God will bless other people right in front of us to test our hearts. It's true, isn't it? Why has that person been given that opportunity to lead that thing? Lord, I've really wanted this relationship, and now my mates got into one. What's going on? Lord, they're talking about receiving a financial gift, and I'm struggling over here, and I've been praying all, all my days, and nothing like that's ever happened to me. Why is that person experiencing the Holy Spirit in a, what looks like a really powerful and tangible way? And I'm over here, and yet I know my life and how earnest I've been before the Lord, and I know their life, and I know they, they haven't. <laughs> Reveals our legalism, doesn't it? Do you begrudge my generosity? The master asks. Because deep down, we think we're 6 a.m.ers. Sorry, you guys are getting kind of, you know, typecast here. Like, and I know you know the grace of God. Hallelujah. But thanks for playing your part so well, particularly the bit where you responded so enthusiastically. <laughs> we, we, deep down, we want to be paid for the work that we've done. And in reality, no. No, if we were paid for the work that we've been done, we would be so far away from anything. We haven't even got close to the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got Jesus, and he's all we need, and all blessing flows from him. For each one of us, no matter what's going on with other people, you, if you're in Christ, you are a recipient of the outrageous grace of God too. I know not, God never compromises his justice here. There's no reason why you guys couldn't see what was happening. And you're like, wow, I'm going to go back the following day and get employed again. And again, it's that act of kindness. As you go home to your families, did someone employ you? Yes, wow, we can eat then. But the point of why this, this chiasm, this verse 8, the payment of you guys ahead of you guys, is that comparison is a killer. It gets us nowhere just stores up jealousy. When we compare, we set ourselves up as the judge of our life and we believe that we should be paid more because we don't know the extent of how far we've been rescued, how far away we were. When we compare, we doubt the goodness of God and the sufficiency of Jesus to provide for our every need. But grace is to be celebrated. And what I find is that the more I understand the grace of God in my life, the more I begin to be able to celebrate it on other people because it points to a wonderful, generous, lavish master. 
I find this is a regular kind of point of conversation in a church. Even just this week in our home group, we're talking about how easy it is to slip into comparison. You know, whether it's a group of people with a shared dream and then different sort of progress towards that dream, whether it's comparing your kids to others in the church and, and how they're responding, whether it's meetings you're in or not, or how those that you first trained with are, are now getting on, whether it's how much you're liked or um, the accolades of people that are doing the same job as you that, that you don't seem to have received. Comparison gets us nowhere, guys. And so I want to leave us with this question. How do we respond when we see God blessing other people? Is it with joy or is it with jealousy? Because when we know how far we've come, when we see the sufficiency of Jesus, that the master has come for you, even though you offered nothing and now you get everything, that leads to a gratitude that breeds joy, not a comparison that breeds jealousy. Gratitude breeds joy, comparison breeds jealousy. And you can imagine a, a different alternative ending to this parable, where those first employed went home. Did someone employ you today? Yes, they did. A wonderful, generous, kind master. And because he's so generous and kind, I absolutely want to be in his deployment tomorrow. Because I know there will be times in my life where the fact that I am more of a 5 p.m. will be very much illustrated to me. And still I can trust in those moments that the grace of God will come to me that he'll continue to be lavish and generous and kind to me. Because if he's like that with them, then he'll be like that with me too. We're going to take communion um, together in a moment, but just before we do, I just think there's a, a response uh, in this uh, with us. And um, I, th I think as I've been speaking, there will have been kind of nudges in your heart. It's just uh, the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you don't need to live like that. Um, that I just think that it would be good for us to respond in some way to the Lord. And so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to ask everybody to close their eyes and we're going to pray. And there's just going to be an opportunity um, to respond here. And, and I, I wonder just if, if there are those, um, um, well, there will be those amongst us this morning that you, you're just saying, you know, I just don't want to live in this place of comparison any longer. And you, you know it would be good for you to take a physical step even to show to the Lord, Lord, help me move on from this place of comparison. I'd just like you to stand now, just, just where you are. I think there'll be different people around the room. You, just, you know you just need to stand just to say to the Lord, I don't want to live in this place of comparison anymore. I, I do think this is a moment. This is why we've um, got everyone to shut their eyes just so we can be honest together. You know, I, I recognize this, this is the battle of, of the step right now. There's, there's already one standing in the room. This is just kind of pressing through it right now. And remember, this, this isn't a kind of you do this or you miss out. This is the grace of God, the kindness of God, knocking on the door of your heart and saying, hey, my beloved child, you don't need to live like this anymore. If you're not able to stand, maybe you just want to raise a hand or, or something like that. But I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask, would you send the Holy Spirit afresh upon these ones who've stood up this morning. Actually, even as, as we pray, some of you, you might still need to stand up. I just want to encourage you. I pray that you would remind them of the kindness of the grace of God in the gospel. I pray they would know that your word to them is never a word of condemnation, but is always a word of drawing them in, of showing them more of yourself. 
Guys, just as you're standing, if you can, just reach out to the Lord. Just a, a demonstration of, of your heart. And in the name of Jesus, where any lie of the enemy has got in about the need to compare yourself or be better than anyone around you, I just break that in the name of Jesus right now, who is the name above every name. And the Spirit's just touching different ones right now, and I, I know that he'll be, um, for some of you, it'll be a kernel of truth that's just staying there. You don't need to live like that. But for some of you, it will just be that magnetic pull of the love of the Father drawing you back to himself and saying, hey, my child, my grace is upon you. I'll meet your every need. Come, Spirit of God, right now. Spirit of God, right now. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I think there's a particular thing for, um, for parents here um, right now. If it, this might be why some of you are responding. Others, that you, you've been comparing your children to other children, and you've been saying, oh, but they're not like those, and I feel bad. Well, that, that parent does this thing, and I don't, and it makes me feel bad. I just break that in Jesus' name right now. I think there's something to do with careers as well. Some of you feel like you should be further on in, your, um, in, in where you are than you are currently. And the Lord would say, am I not the God of opportunity who can open doors at a word? I have you exactly where I want you. Come, Spirit of God. In this moment, Lord, we just receive of you. We're so thankful for your kindness. We're so thankful for your peace that just calms and stills our hearts, that you both open up things within us, you minister to us, and then you commit to sewing us back together in an even more wonderful way. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can sit down now. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to um, finish off with communion. Isn't this just a wonderful way of being able to express our unity together, that, hey, we don't need to compare ourselves to one another. We, we just express that we are one body, one family. We eat of, of one bread.